good afternoon, everybody, and uh, welcome to another deep dive. This morning, uh, afternoon, you've got myself, I'm Caleb. It's great to be with you. You've got Josh. Hello. He's here, and behind screens is Simon. So, yeah, well, it's just looking forward to spending this time with you this, this afternoon. Uh, we're looking at Mark chapter 12, as you can see there, verse 1 through to 17. And uh, we're going to break it down. Mm. We're going to look at it a bit deeper, hence the name, yep. uh, and uh, maybe even explore a little bit more about what Josh has actually preached on about it uh, from Sunday, which if you haven't heard that message, jump back into the website because all of the messages are there if you've ever missed one and they're all great. So make sure you go and hear what uh, has been said. But this morning, let's uh, kick off with a prayer. You want to pray for us, Josh? I can pray. And uh, we'll start by reading the Bible. Excellent. Dear Lord, thank you that we can come here today. Thank you that we can delve back into your message. We can delve back into the Gospel of Mark, Lord, and that we can just dive deep and we can re both reflect over uh, what we heard on Sunday, but we can also look a bit deeper into it, Lord. And uh, I pray that our ears are open and that we uh, fill our minds with new understanding or reinforced understanding, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Uh, amen. Amen. So we're reading, we're into Mark 12. We're, Josh, we're nearly there. Mm. We've nearly done it. We're, we're like, what, three or four chapters away from the end. Four chapters away. Four chapters. And we're, uh, we're looking at Mark 12. As you were saying just before mm. this, actually, there's a distinct shift in the authority of Jesus. Yes. And we're kicking off by him telling us a story. So mm. we're doing this series for the ways, the words, and the works of Jesus. Yep. And this is some of his words here. It starts off by saying, Then Jesus began teaching them with stories. A man planted a vineyard. He built a wall around it, dug a pit for pressing out the grape juice, and built a lookout tower. Then he leased the vineyard to tenant farmers and moved to another country. At the time of the grape harvest, he sent one of his servants to collect his share of the crop. But the farmers grabbed the servant, beat him up, and sent him back empty-handed. The owner then sent another servant, but they insulted him and beat him over the head. The next servant he sent was killed. Others he sent were even beaten or killed. Until there was only one left, his son whom he loved dearly. The owner finally sent him, thinking, surely they will respect my son. But the tenant farmers said to one another, here comes the heir to the estate. Let's kill him and get the estate for ourselves. So they grabbed him and murdered him and threw his body out of the vineyard. What do you suppose the owner of the vineyard will do? Jesus asked. I'll tell you, he will come and kill those farmers and lease the vineyard to others. Didn't you ever read this in the scriptures? The stone that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing, and it is a wonderful thing to see. Let's, let's just uh, keep going, and we're going to go all the way up to 17, I think. It goes, because, uh, no, let's stop there, actually, because the yep. next part goes into the next story. So really, really, let's, let's just start to break down some of this mm. parable, Josh. We've yep. we got a few images. Do it bit by bit. Yeah. Let, let's start by breaking down who, who is actually the, the farmer, the original farmer. Yep. Who are these like far, um, farmers that he leases his field out to? You know, there's some images there of 
the the Vine Press, uh, the great the lookout. There's the messengers that they sent, mm. and then there's this son that's killed. Mm. Mm. And if we if we start from the top, right, great place I mean, to start. Start from the very from, from the very beginning. We the the vineyard is is that represent they represent sort of Israel or you know the land the land the land of the land of the time um and we've got we've got the farmer who which is um God um for it and um looking sort of like through it and sort of my sort of li- the linkage between this this parable and sort of the then the story I said on on uh, Sunday of uh, Isaiah, um, we can sort of kind of get a get a better understanding to sort of see what this all means. And just if we have a quick sort of like overview of it, the 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 farmer being God, and then has been sending his servants, his his prophets. Um, to to his people being then the tenants because the tenants the tenants have uh, have occupied this land and this was and this wasn't an uncommon sort of practice at the time I mean it's like what we have now of when we buy a property and then we lease it out to people the farmer would have done this, the same thing it was a common sort of practice for someone to buy land set it all up and then move then move away um, and so. Jesus is using sort of all these common sort of things during the time in order for the people listening and then also for us because it's also sort of quite relevant for us. I mean, it's all very relevant for us. But if we think of it in our own context, we can sort of equate it to um, someone owning um, owning property or your... Um, you renting out. If you were um, If you were the tenant then you're renting out a house or an apartment or something and the farmer is the landlord so, um, in it. It's, it's that whole thing of uh, actually, you know, the metaphor mm. that fits within yes. the context yeah. and it's quite relatable because they are easy to distinguish um, images. Mm. And, and so let me clarify sort of what you're just saying there. There's, we, we notice there's a, there's a vine being yes. Israel uh, mm. and... and the father has come and planted and looked after and created this this vine, um, and it comes in here. Talks about a lookout tower. Um, so we come through, and then then he we're introduced to the tenants that come in. Mm. And, and so I think of it in myself. The father's come and started this plant, being his chosen people, mm. and then we introduced to these second lot, which would then become, in my opinion, the the religious leaders. Yeah. Um, and, and so you're starting to look at it and you're like, these are the people that the Father has trusted mm. to look after the vines. Yes. And, and what happened was the people would be led away, and this is going back into some of the Old Testament stuff here, the people would fall short from God's grace, and they'd keep coming and they'd get conquered or they'd be left. And the way that they came back to God was that God would give them a prophet. Mm. They'd give them a judge. And these people is who I kind of identify as the ones that the father sends to the farmers, yeah. right? And so some of them got killed. Some of them got beaten. Some of them uh, managed to live a little bit longer. But... Yeah. The point is, mm. they all were rejected all by rejected. Uh, this one 
group of like by the leaders and by the vine almost yeah. subsequently because the people that are looking after the vine are rejecting them on their behalf. Yeah. And if we want to just, and if, 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 if anyone wants sort of an example of who that might have been rejected, you could just look at John. Yeah, as, totally. As being as being rejected, as being one of, of, of the people that came in and they were like, nah, don't want that, don't want yep. that. Totally. Other examples, you know, you hear of Elisha and Elijah, you know. Um, you've got your judges uh, and people like Deborah, who's someone that's um, underestimated or, or looked down on in society, but trusting God's will or um, Samson or any of those mm. cool things. Um, but yeah, you've got these people that are coming and being rejected by the people. Mm. And like you're saying in that closer to Jesus time, one of the last prophets before Jesus comes is John the Baptist yeah. ends up dying uh, because the wife of the emperor wants his head something like that um, I can't remember that story at the top of my head but uh it's a, it's, it's, a, it's a common theme it's, it's exactly not the first time we've heard this or seen yeah. in, or seen this exactly until this final one the last person that comes mm. and this is where I think people tend to forget that the Father and Jesus and the Holy Spirit, distinctly different entities. Yes. Right. And so they all work together but aren't the same and they have this ability to, um, they live in perfect unison. And so you have this, this figure of the last one and it's called the Son. Mm. And so also there's a statement here of, Jesus is the Son of God. Mm. Um, we've had other messages about that. We did an I Am series uh, back a couple of years ago now where we looked at all the different ways Jesus declaring his lordship. Mm. Uh, and, and this is almost another way presented in Mark. Uh, and so claiming that he's the Son of God and that the farmer sends him because he assumes that, well, he's probably hoping mm. as well for the best from the acceptance of the people because there's an authority to this person. Yeah. He's the son of the owner. Yeah. And, so, and, and it clearly says, surely they will respect my son. Because you would think, you would yep. think the, the, this is the, the authority comes from the farmer and the authority has been rejected by the servants. And then, you know, family ties, you would even think that's even stronger yet again. Mm. But what, what, what happens? And, and <laughs> because it's his only son, mm. He comes the heirs of state, let's kill him and get the inheritance for himself. This is the next in line. Mm. So it's not just a matter of actually, this is one of my sons. No. This is the son. This is the one to carry on the family name. This is all that culture that you start to look at. And like you're saying before, mm. relevant terms for the people of the time, why yeah. context is so important, why we break it down. But it's this person that actually... Has the um, the innate sense to demand from these people? Mm. Which I mean, you think, and which is sort of crazy to think that they would think it would work mm. if, if that would make sense. If it, like, and, and we sit in the post-crucifixion sort of period uh, within our own lives here today, and so we've got the full picture here. But even so, if we're looking at this story and we go, God is the is the farmer, Jesus is the son, um, and sh you know, and and thinking that when it says like we will get the inheritance, like you, like you just said. It's sort of crazy then to think that that would work, sort of thing. That the wrath, that there, there would that would there be no consequences from killing the son, or any uh, or no, and not thinking that there would be any wrath or any repercussions 
uh, from from it. Just thinking, oh, we'll we'll get it just mm. because um, we've thrown him to the wayside. It's like, well, no, no, that's, yeah. it's, it's, you know, it's, it, especially since it's like, well, that's the authority that that that's actually not the that. What am I? What am I trying to say here? The that the the, the farmer's still there. You know, it's not like that. It's like, yes, they may have killed the son, but the farmer's still there. They haven't gained anything. Yeah. If if or if anything, they've just pissed him off. That's right. They, <laughs> there's no relinquish of control, and and that's what's addressed in that last mm. part of the story, which I think is a really interesting part. We we talked about. The, um, the way that Jesus asked questions to be able to, to mm. get people to understand his points. And, and he says to the disciples, what do you suppose the owner of the vineyard will do? Mm. You know, and when you start to apply this to our lives, this has a really interesting um, alignment. But he tells them, he will come and kill the farmers and lease the vineyard to others. Didn't you ever read this in the scripture? And it goes into talking about the stone and, and being rejected. We'll get to that in a second. Mm. And, I, and I think this it's we can sort of be misinterpreted to that it's not being given to the Jewish people, that it's only being given to the Gentiles. And I think that's we need to be careful not to think that way of it's being given to both. That yes, that the the the, the tenants are the um, the Jewish people. And it would be given to someone else, but it's been given to anyone that accepts it. Well, even if we elaborate from that image, because we just broke them down to mm. those religious leaders. Yes. You know, and, the, and we said, you know, those people that were meant to be providing for the rest of Israel, mm. you know, and, and leading them in the direction that God desired them to be, uh, that they're the ones that it's not just for anymore. God will allow other people in to be able to bring that through and not to at the cost of Israel. Mm but for the benefit of Israel. One of the things I love, though, about this, if you think, if we bring this into a contextual 21st century, because, again, we say, you know, well, we're not denying Jesus like that, <laughs> but you can deny Jesus like that. Yes. You know, we can deny the fact that Jesus is standing at the door and knocking and not taking the invitation of understanding. Mm. If we read this question the same way and we think, oh, okay, we have the opportunity to accept Jesus, uh, what do you suppose the owner of the vineyard will do? Mm. Well, this next part hits very differently <laughs> if you're thinking of yourself as not accepting Jesus. Mm. I'll tell you, he'll kill, come and kill those farmers and lease the vineyard to others. Don't, didn't you ever read this in the scripture? Mm. And we, we, we often think of God, grace and mercy, and it's true that it is heart of God, but he's also just. Yes. And this is such an important part to his character too, is the justice aspect. Mm. Mm. And, you know, and he is he's clearly referring back to, to, the old, so to the Old Testament, to the Old, to the old Scriptures to sort of reinforce the just nature of God, to see that how God's character... Um, is and and by referring back to, and and you know bringing up the psalms of, you know he is now the cornerstone, mm. he is now the foundation of your faith, um, no matter what. I mean, and 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 you know cornerstone and all that sort of image Im imagery of Jesus being cornerstone, is is found throughout um, the Bible. But he's for for us, he's the cornerstone of our faith, and we can't. We shouldn't reject that. We've been given the choice of do we accept that cornerstone or do or like the Pharisees or like the builders, 
do we reject that? And, and I think it's really important to identify too, there's a particular message mm. in this parable to the Pharisees of the time. This is a lesson about a specific event in a specific time. But we also have the opportunity to take that and apply that contextually to us now. Mm. So it's important to hold that with both hands. Yeah. And so you've got, well, the, the Pharisees rejected Jesus. And in that, they he became the cornerstone, as you're saying. Mm. But we have to also take the, we can take the rejection of Jesus in the same seriousness and actually say, what's my position? Am I accepting and engaging? greeting him or am I just rejecting him? And I love that you started on the cornerstone because when you're in Israel, I love going back to my Israel stories. <laughs> they're great. But when we were in Israel, you do what's, there's this new um, thing you can do. It's a tour, guided tour, and you can go behind in the architectural catacombs of the temple of the time. And there's got maybe like, it's probably like 10, 15, 20 meters uh, of ground above you and you get to see the foundational pillars and stones of the temple, which is pretty incredible because these are old stones. Um, but this thing's really awesome because you're walking along, every single stone is like, yeah, that's impressive. But then you come up to this one and it is an absolute booper. Mm. Josh, she's a giant. <laughs> she's a massive one. And she has this massive... The reason why it's so big mm. is because the cornerstone is the most pivotal stone to the whole foundation mm -hmm. of the building. It's the one that takes the most weight. It's the one that creates all the um, direction and angles for the building. There's so much to this stone. And this is the imagery mm. that's actually saying the direction has changed because Jesus has become this now. Yeah. And this is why it's sort of so important when we look at any of the any of the parables or any sort of story within the Bible to sort of take the we need to understand the context of the time because especially I mean I know some buildings will sort of highlight the cornerstone, or, um, but we we're in a rendered building. We've got it's everything's been sort of painted or cov or the actual brickwork or the building blocks that. Um, make up this building that we're in or all covered over and, you know, aesthetic and, and just the times changing. And even engineering just and changed and since then. Changed. But yeah, you're right. And and so we, and it's excellent and it's, you know, it's amazing to go back to the places like Israel to actually see, you know, the context that this was in and to be able to actually fully understand what that cornerstone meant. Um, because we can read it and go, yes, but, it was because this was all given to the people at the time for them to understand all that. You know, it, it, it's a it's a massive thing to say this is the cornerstone because, like you're saying, it's this big thing. It's what the building is is built on. Mm. Everything comes from this cornerstone, and it's an amazing Im like image for us to think of that as Jesus. Is that's Absolutely. the foundation, the building blocks yeah. where everything comes from. And, and let me just agree to you and give a shout out mm. to Israel real quick. If you ever have the opportunity to do it, get amongst it and make it a priority because the way I tell people is it took takes from what, at least how it was for me, what you understand as a story and just almost like fairy tale to an extent to a reality and a real place, a real time, a real, you can start to see and it becomes a lot more prominent and actually real in your life. So 
Do it. But, <laughs> but let's jump on to the next scripture because we, got, we, we spent a fair bit of time on that one. Mm. You addressed in the second part of your sermon yep. this part on taxes to Caesar. And uh, so as we wrap up the last story, it comes from this part. The religious leaders wanted to arrest Jesus because they realized he was telling the story against them. Remember, that's, what, that's why we said the, the people that are in the farm were against Jesus. So they were the wicked farmers, but they were afraid of the crowd, so they left him and went away. Later, they, the leaders sent some Pharisees and supporters of Herod to trap Jesus into saying something for which he could be arrested. Teacher, they said, we know how honest you are. You are impartial and don't play favorites. You're, you teach the way of God truthfully. Now tell us, is it right to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Should we pay them or shouldn't we? Jesus saw through their hypocrisy and said, why are you trying to trap me? Show me a Roman, Roman coin and I'll tell you. When they handed it to him, he asked whose picture and title are stamped on it. Caesar's, they replied. Well then, Jesus said, give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar and give to God what belongs to God. His reply completely amazed them. Mm. I love it because this is one of those few stories, right, where it actually tells you the crowd's reaction yes. to, the, uh, to the actual teaching of Jesus and these words again. So incredible. Mm. And I love the way you put it on Sunday. Mm. Um, in this world... There's authorities and people own stuff and there's all of that. Mm. But at the end of all of it, God created us in his image. Yep. And so what is it that you're not giving God mm. to live uh, because it is actually ultimately his because we bear the stamp of God yep. in our lives? Mm. Oh, definitely. And that whole sort of – and it's it's a, it's a hard – sort of thing to sort of get your mind over, especially when we think of unjust places or um, sort of um, governments or authorities or um, uh, any sort of anyone with a, a sort of a, a position of power and whether that be fair or not. And especially it's a hard thing to get your mind over when it's not fair, but ultimately all the authority comes from God and comes back to God um, regardless of who you are. Um, and that these people that have been in, in, in authority have been placed by God um, and that we need to respect it, that we're, we're called to obey the laws of the land. Um, Actually, and, God gives the gift of leadership to yeah. some people. And so we humble ourselves, mm. we acknowledge what they get need to be able to allow them to lead. Yeah, and and we're gonna and and throughout life, and because you know the world we live in is not perfect, and there are going to be these you know these ups and downs, and um, people wanting to play the game or or people trying to get their own gain. But we need to make sure that we are fruitful in ourselves, and we show the good the good character and to, um, and the good character of God to be able to. Um, do right by ourselves, but do right by everyone around us and do right by what we've been called called to do. Because ultimately, and I think I, I, um, we, I, I was reading Genesis 1 um, the other day and one of the big sort of um, parts that sort of stood out to me was 
from dust that you um, from um, when he was when God was talking to um, Adam in the garden, and he was when they, just before he was going to throw them out. Um, from dust you came, and dust you will return. Like for us here, the, all the material um, in our material world, yes, it's great at the time, but we will. It is really sort of, um, and not to be really a downer, but it's sort of meaningless. It's great now and whilst we have it, but ultimately we are called for something higher and we'll be um, brought into something um, higher than sort of, you know, my iPhone that I have here or, the, you know, the table, like the material objects that we have um, have here. And it's really cool thought because the, what I'd love to echo off of that, we're called to something higher, is this part of the scripture here. Whose picture and title are stamped on it? Mm. If you imagined that, and this is just an illustration, this is me speaking, but if you imagined you bought a signet, you know, like a ring yep. where it's got like a different seal on it and mm. you put a, a bit of um, wax on it every time that you did something and stamped it, mm. whose mark are you leaving? Yeah. I think this is a good way of actually approaching even like what you're saying, being called to something higher. Mm. Are you everywhere you go changing your ring? Yeah. Are you everywhere you go placing the same seal, but it's your own name or your own family name or your your own person on it? Or is your position when you're going around to different places actually that you're placing the stamp of God in that mm. place so that everything gets reflected for the glory of God? Or is it that it's trying to build yourself into this world? Mm, oh, for sure. And that's such a sort of powerful sort of thing to think about. And like I said on Sunday, the coin is uh, stamped with the image of Caesar. We are stamped by the image of God. And we can continue, like you just said, continue to stamp out the image of God throughout where, where we go. Because um, everything is, uh, everything we do is reflective. Everyone, Everything that we, uh, all our actions that we do, outwardly um, is seen by everyone. Um, you don't see the intentions uh, behind someone's actions. You can't know what someone's ultimately thinking. Um, and so if we have that sort of outward, um, not reflection, outward facing, we, we're doing this um, in the name of God and, and through God and with God and... and bearing the good fruit out in our in our lives. Um, mm. And when you start to think about it in the context of everything we do, right, if you start to think about the things that you don't even consider, how was our conversation with the barista that we had before <laughs> this podcast, you know? Mm. Or how how is my text message replies to my partner? Is it filled with patience and love and and self um, self-control? Mm. Or is it filled with desire, lust, anger, spite, uh, whatever it may be? Is is the gift of, that I'm bringing to the person out of place of I'm trying to get another thing? Mm. Or am I putting that signet of God which is out of uh, nothing in return but to see you to come into a place that's a greater place? You know, these are the steps. When you start to break it down, you can actually come up with so many examples in your life where that fruit of the Spirit comes through. If that's one of the things and you can identify it, those fruits of the Spirit, and if you haven't got it, let's read it sometime together. There's a sneaky shout out. But um, if you, you're bearing those 
fruits, mm. the produce of God, then I can affirm for you that you're probably stamping things with the seal of God. Yeah. If it's not those things, then it's probably time to actually say, all right, God, what do I need to do instead to make it something like that to that's bearing that produce or fruit? Mm. And and everyone will, just like when, you know, let's say Caesar would stamp, stamp something and that everyone would see, if we stamp um, the image of God, then everyone will see and everyone will be able to go, oh, you know, I might want a piece of that. Or, or, or be re, um, inc- be encouraged by that as well, by those that are trying to do similar things. Oh, yes, I can, you know, if that, that person's doing it, then I can also do it and, and be um, filled with encouragement to continue forward. It has this sort of ripple effect out from just your own sort of life to everyone's life around you and then their life. And, you know, it just keeps on going and going and going. Mm, it's... Um, it's a big thing. <laughs> yeah, big no, thing. it's and that's the hard part about the yes, call. It is. <laughs> it is a big thing, but mm. it is something we desire to live up to. Yeah, and just like a muscle, if we keep working at it, we keep working at it. That becomes stronger, and it yep. and, and it becomes who who you are becomes this. Yes, it's a big thing, but then that becomes easier and easier and easier to do because you are living your life like that yep. rather than just. A portion of your life, or depending on who you are, you sort of switch who 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 you are. Your attitude um, switches. Um, if you live your life all the time like that, then it is a lot easier than, say, living a lie or or not or or masking what you do. Mm. And, and it's the old psychology term: is uh, a decision becomes a habit, yeah. a habit becomes a lifestyle, and your lifestyle becomes your character. Mm. And so it all starts with that decision. Before we go end, Josh, and before yep. we wrap up, is there any last thoughts that you've been thinking about this? Um, I think there was there was something that I sort of I thought of that at, at the end of this. I think that it is that at the end of sort of this um, passage of the taxes to Caesar that. Um, they still, that the Pharisees still misconstrued what Jesus said and they still sort of twist his words, even though they know, hang on, he said, you know, the right thing or like, the, and then, you know, the crowd's gone behind him and he's in, in, in um, that they still use his words and they twist it. That it is sort of important to sort of also rem- to remember that there are, that as well as we will, um, if we uphold our, our fruitful lives, um, that there are going to be people that are going to miss, um, that are going to twist um, your words or other words, you no, know, uh, sort of, you know, out to, you know, the assassins in life or the, uh, out to sort of either get you or whatever it is. And there are going to be those people. And, and I think it's to not sort of let that get you down, but to that, that yes, it's, it's, it's going to be great, but they're also they're going to be hard and there's also going to be combative, combative parts of that life. But it's not to sort of let that get you down, but to sort of still uphold and maintain that. Um, and to remember back, you know, and to remember like all this of, you know, what is, you know, to, to be accepting what is God giving you and gi- what are you giving, giving to God? Mm. Mm. That's really cool. I think for myself, it's about there's there's an element of response here, um, how the farmers responded mm. and, and how the Pharisees respond, 
and how these people questioning Jesus, trying to trap him, respond. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and these things often make me in myself say, what's my response to yep. God's actions, God's desires, uh, what he's obviously showing or telling me to do or what he's given me and what I can do with that. And so I think for me a good challenge is, and I want to challenge everyone else with, mm. is how are you responding when you hear these things? Yeah. What is it that God's actually trying to say? What is it that you're trying to, he's trying to get you to change or what's the things he's encouraging you to push deeper into? Yeah, yeah. And I think we can really sort of push that challenge as if there's something that have, has come up for you today, a challenge before, is to really think about what are you going to do with that? And and are you like right now going to go, yes, I'm going to take that or no? Yeah. You know, I really want sort of, if, if that has come up in your mind whilst hearing it, to sort of really like wrestle with that and, and make that decision. Absolutely. If you're having that prompt right now, um, jump on the website or mm. reach us out on us in the Facebook messenger. mbu.org.au is the, fa- the website code. There's a contact us part there yep. and we would uh, love to meet or have that conversation, mm. uh, help you take next steps because... That's what we love to see and we love to push people deeper into knowing God better into that intimate way. Yep. So good. How about I pray to wrap yep. us up Excellent. and uh, we'll, we'll just go from there. Thank you, awesome. Lord God, for this conversation we've had. Uh, thank you for Josh and how he's um, faithfully given this sermon on the last weekend and the insights he's provided for us today. And uh, thank you for everyone listening in. We thank you for their heart to grow and, and become closer to you, to know who you are better uh, and hopefully have their hearts prompted so that uh, the Spirit can move in them, change them and uh, bring them into a, a, the being that you deserve, desire them to become. Lord God, we just pray for everyone in their week until we see each other or join together again at another time. And uh, we just pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you, everyone. It has been great to have this conversation and uh, we always love it. Mm. Remember, chats, conversations, we love to answer those questions that you have. So throw that in the comments. If you do get any, uh, we will make note next week or even in Sunday maybe. That would be kind of cool. Um, But we will make notes at some point for you and and have those questions answered. Uh, Until Sunday though, we will see you later.